On a Monday in April 1887, a crowd of a few hundred to a thousand people arrived into the First Presbyterian Church in Rahway, New Jersey for a funeral. The funeral was for a woman that none of them personally knew, but who had changed all of their lives forever. This woman, of course, is the unknown woman of Rahway, a murder victim whose identity remains unknown some 135 years after her death. To this day, she sits in the Rahway Cemetery under a tombstone that simply reads, an unknown woman found dead. Pastor Gay of the First Presbyterian Church stepped up to the pulpit and addressed the assembled crowd. Surveying the crowd, he began to speak. I seem to see before me a humble home where father and mother are waiting for a message that never comes. Eyes are filled with tears, hearts are heavy, because there are no tidings of the absent daughter. The hours are like days, while days lengthen into weeks as the lonely parents watch, wait, and hope. But the child cometh not. The post brings no letter of love. Perhaps there are brothers and sisters, and they too long for some word from the dear one. But the familiar step is heard no more upon the threshold. The well-known voice answers not to the anxious call. Absent and unknown friends, she for whom you wait has fallen into the snare of the fowler. The knife of a murderer has done its cruel work. No ear but that of God heard her bitter cry for help. No heart but the heart of the infinite listened to her last wail of anguish. She fell by the wayside when the night was dark and the air was chill and damp. Her dying bed was the cold ground. However, there were Samaritans who passed by that way, and they lifted her tenderly from her blood-stained couch. In long processions, they look down upon her unconscious form, and they are carrying her to her eternal home, as you would have done if she died in your arms. Absent unknown friends, the law that fell from the lips of Jesus is our guide, and we are doing unto others as we would that others should do unto us. We think of you today, strangers though you may be, and we pray to the Father of the fatherless and to the widow's God that he will bless you and comfort you in your loneliness, and that he will give you a double portion of his grace to sustain you while you are waiting and hoping for the dear one whom you shall see no more on this earth. After the service, six men carried the body of the poor woman from the church and off to the graveyard. Those six pallbearers were New York City reporters, who, having covered the case of the unknown woman for over a month now, knew her just about as well as anybody in the town of Rahway. To this day, her identity remains unknown. Our goal is to bring this woman back her identity 135 years after her life was cruelly snuffed out. In this episode, we'll go over the history of the town of Rahway and the time period in which the murder occurred. Following that, we'll discuss the murder itself, the aftermath of the murder, and then some of the intriguing clues that to this day could help us identify who this person was and give her her dignity back. Thank you for joining us on episode one of our podcast, Absent Unknown Friend, The Rahway Murder. And I'm Patrick Beeger. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Absent Unknown Friend, The Railway Murder. Karen and I are siblings. Lucky us. This, this podcast is so special because, you know, it's something we've never done together. And I think this is the, the biggest activity we've ever tried to do together. I think so, too. We have separate interests and we never clash with them. <laughs> yeah, we kind of stay in our own corners. Um, I like old boats and... Trivia. 
And I do not. Yeah. And there you go. <laughs> I'm so, artsy. <laughs> when Carrie and I were on a, a sibling adventure the other day, driving around northern New Jersey where I live, and she Wait, is let's currently... just paint the picture okay. that I am staying with you for the month to get out of the city. So we're having lots of bonding time. <laughs> right. I was, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. But we're out and about... <laughs> because I need constant entertainment and Carrie Ann uh, was here and um, we started talking about true crime and it turns out that we actually have an overlapping interest there in murder yeah uh, definitely would have been cool if we had like an overlapping interest in like poetry or something yeah, but something no murder nice and murder like, and yeah it seems fitting yeah um, and I was telling Carrie Ann about this book uh, that I just read, and about it's about this murder, and I heard about it about a year ago, and it's kind of just stuck with me. And so since then, I've read this book. I've like researched a lot on um, newspaper archives from back at the time of the murder, and thought this is a story that had to be told. It's only been told on one podcast for three minutes on Spotify. So which, we're already winning. Um, as far as, as topping that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a story that hasn't really been told. And unless you're from northern New Jersey and are familiar with like local history or something, you probably don't know about it. No, I yeah. didn't. The other thing I just want to preface is, you know, we are going to give you the facts and we are going to dig into some some pretty interesting stuff here. Um, but given that this is a murder that is 135 years old and you can't has, just go knocking on doors can't go knocking on doors I'm not going to promise you that by the end of this podcast we'll know who this person was or who killed her but we definitely want to get her story out there and you were talking about your reasoning for wanting uh, to do this yes me being a lovely feminist and just wanting to bring light and peace to a woman that doesn't even have her name on a grave so like we just want her to finally rest and people to know her name and uh hopefully we get there so mm -hmm. if you like this keep on listening and hopefully by the end if we get any traction with this we would you know, get some sort of petition together to see if we can get some DNA exhumed from her body and potentially try to track down who this person was via forensic genealogy. So fancy. Yeah. If we don't get any traction, which is probably more likely, at least a few of you may have learned about a poor woman who deserves more attention. So <laughs> either way. Win-win. Win-win. So <laughs> the person we're talking about is the unknown woman of Rahway. Yes. Um, AKA the Rahway murder, the Rahway murder of 1887, etc. And basically, this person, still to this day, is unknown. She's buried in a grave in the Rahway cemetery that was donated by the town. And uh, it, her headstone literally reads like an unknown woman found murdered with the date. Which and, is nuts. Yeah, and she wasn't buried near the other people because they weren't sure if she was a good Christian woman. Which is so sad. <laughs> so we were like, we, you know, this person deserves to have a, you know, a name uh, put on her gravestone. People deserve to have sex and deserve to have their name on a gravestone. And church said no. We're going to start off with kind of talking about the town of Rahway, New Jersey, where it is, what it was like at the time of the murder, what it's like today. And then we'll finish out this episode by giving you kind of like just a play-by-play -play of what happened on the morning of March 26th, um, 1887. Sound good? All right. Love it. So have you actually ever been to Rahway? I feel like I played there for soccer. Mm. I think I had a big soccer tournament. Yeah. Again, uh, highlighting the differences between us. Carrie <laughs> went for soccer. Uh, a friend of mine from college does um, like Victorian Christmas at a 300-year-old tavern there. And I went to that. 
So, you know. completely paints the picture. There you go. (laughs) So, Rahway, New Jersey, for those of you who aren't from the area, is in Union County, New Jersey, which is in the northeastern part of the state. It's about middle of the state from up and down and kind of (laughs) all the way over to the right. The right? Yeah. Like towards this, like the city? Yeah. I thought it was more... Nope. So Rahway is in Union County, which is kind of over by like Perth Amboy, if you're familiar with that. Staten Island, right? Yeah, yeah. I see, yeah, that okay. paints the picture. There you go. Um, it's situated on the Rahway River, which flows into the Arthur Kill, which is the body of water between New Jersey and Staten Island. Okay. The reason it's called the Arthur Kill is not anything murdery or true crimey. Back in the day, New Jersey and that part of New York um, around Manhattan were part of the New Netherlands colony, so it's actually Dutch. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm going to be learning a lot on this podcast. Oh, you sure are. Starting with, um, the area was actually originally inhabited by the Lenny Lenape tribe of Native Americans, also known as the Delaware Indians, and they Mm -hmm. actually uh, do have a few communities still left in New Jersey, but predominantly were moved out as part of the Trail of Tears to Oklahoma. Yeah, that one just still... Not cool. <laughs> Not cool. So the Lenape were originally part of the, uh, you know, the people who lived in this area uh, for hundreds and thousands of years. Rahway was actually named for one of their chiefs, and settlement uh, of Europeans began around 1664. Any thoughts so far? So interesting. So great. Well, it gets more interesting. Oh, right? tell I got, me. I got some fun facts for you. Do I try to keep this light because oh, okay. I know that the history stuff and the geography is not like something you love. So. <laughs> Rumored location of Captain Kidd's treasure. He, he buried treasure kind of along the Did East Coast. Did anybody ever find it? No. So maybe that'll be our next podcast. Wait, we'll, that we'll sounds try to, fun. Yeah. All right. Well, let's not give up on, on the unknown. No, no, no. We're focusing. Do, right. But if but this treasure does well, hunt. season two, Rahway. It's I, funny because we are not from Rahway. <laughs> all the Rahway content. Um, so anyway, rumored that, you know, he buried some of his treasure there, never been found, that sort of thing. It was actually uh, important in the Revolutionary War. There was uh, numerous battles in the area. New Jersey was the crossroads of the Revolution. Makes sense. Um, the battle here was actually called the Battle of Spanktown. A <laughs> hundred British soldiers were killed in that battle. Um, yeah, and we it was spanked named, them. <laughs> yeah, it was named after the original town name of Rahway, which was Spanktown. And it was apparently called that because a settler spanked his wife there for some transgression. Oh. And they called it Spanktown. That's from a New York Times article from the late 1800s. So if anybody is like, that's completely wrong, that's fine. That's just what I found. And that's why they called it Spanktown. And that's why there was the battle. And they called it. So it was the whole thing. That's so interesting. There you go. Um, George Washington stayed here on his way to his inauguration in New York City at the Merchant and Drover's Tavern. Everywhere. He did. He got around. Yeah, you, um, you go through New Jersey and just see George Washington's house, George Washington this. And, and I think that most of it's probably not right. Yeah. You know, like my house was built in 1810 and I could be like, George Washington, oh. you know, no, like he, he didn't <laughs> stay everywhere. But he did stay at the Merchant and Drover's Tavern, which is the one that my friend volunteers ah. at, um, which does date back to that time. Rahway, the city, grew rapidly in the um, 1850s. It was kind of like sleepy stagecoach town. It was on the way between Philadelphia and New York. Pit stop. Yep. But it grew rapidly in the 50s due to immigration from New York City uh, and due to its location on the road between Philly and New York City. Eventually, carriages gave way to trains, and it's actually still to this day on the Northeast Corridor line of New Jersey Transit, which goes from Trenton slash Philly to New York City, as well as the New Jersey Shoreline. Which may or may not be the worst 
transportation in all the tri-state area? Uh, it's hit or miss. You take a train anywhere else in the world, and you're like, wow, New Jersey trains are uh, yeah. are real bad. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, Side note, I used the bathroom on a train once in Switzerland, and when you shut the door, there was like a fake window, and there was like a picture of like fish that Jesus. lit up. New Jersey Transit, no it pictures of fish. It smells like fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, terrible. So again, big train town still to this day, big train town, commuter town. And at the time of the murder, it was kind of booming with manufacturing. So for instance, the Regina Music Box Company was there. You could see like their advertisements and some of the things. Maybe we'll throw them up online when we get to that. Are those the ones that just have the dots on it and it spins and it plays? Or is that like the ballerina one? I think it's the ballerina one. Okay. Or, but, you know, a music box. Think yeah, it's back, not you know, the ones. Okay. I just didn't it, know if they You wind it up, you open the lid yeah, or whatever. Yeah, some. Yeah. Uh, also, interestingly, uh, Nikola Tesla had a company there, the Tesla Electric Light and Manufacturing Company. It was from 1884 and closed in 1886, leaving him destitute. Uh, so a year before the murder. Side note, not related in any way to the murder, but just an interesting fact. So again, painting a picture, lots of factories and things along the Rahway River. And then kind of as you get out further from town, more rural, what you would, you know, what you would kind of expect from like a rural farmer type community. If you're trying to picture this in your head, picture like, I don't know, meet me in St. Louis or like Main Aww. Street, USA, you know, kind of like one. small stores and everybody's like really enthusiastic and optimistic about their town and the future and you know so excited that kind of thing so can you um, also um, paint a picture of you had a map up of Rahway yes then for terms of me Mm -hmm. how many avenues and stuff like New York City Um, like is it two avenues three avenues like give me like a yeah that's fair that's actually that's actually a good um a good point. Let me pull up that map, and I will be putting the map up in the show notes, so <laughs> We're you so can fancy. follow along. Yeah. So the whole thing is right. Like if you um, and I'll I'm kind of zooming on this map. I found a, a map of Rahway from 1870, which is 17 years before the murder. But like, how much really happened in 17 years? You know, it's not going to look vastly different than right. this, right? And what's cool is this actually has buildings. It has houses and stuff. And so when we get to where the murder happens, you can actually see, like, exactly how not popular this area of Rahway was, how open it was, things like that. So I will zoom in here. But if you were to go to Rahway today, and actually if you were to go to, like, the intersection where this murder happened, it looks like the Sopranos. Like, any northern New Jersey suburb in your head where it's, like, the houses are on top of each other. There's houses on the side of you, behind you, in front of you, like, you know, like Bergen County, New Jersey, kind of, like, that's what yeah. it looks like. So it's kind of crazy to, like, go on, like, Google Maps and look at, like, where this happened and just be like, ha- yeah, like if it happened today, it would not be unsolved for 135 <laughs> years. And I actually, Everybody would have seen it. Everybody would have seen it. And I actually wrote this down. I thought it was interesting. So at the time of the murder, it was, the railway was incorporated into a city um, in 1858 and had its first elections that year. So oh. it was like, so it's only like, you know, call it 19 years or whatever before the murder. Uh, did I do the math right? Uh, math then, also. Yeah, you right. know what? Not my strong suit. But not too long before the murder, it's like, we're our own town now, and we're going to elect our first mayor and stuff, right? So, like, you Go know, small them. town, 6,900 uh, people lived there in 1888, the year okay. after the murder. That's according to the Spectator Company Insurance Yearbook of 1888. Mm. We use sources on this podcast. <laughs> By we, I mean me. Did you Google anything? 
No, I'm just here for participating. There you go. So anyway, 1858, incorporated city, 6,900 people living there at the time of the murder. Just to contrast that today, today, 29,000 people live there, oh, uh, 7,000 people per square mile. Okay. So the point I'm making is, if this happened today, 7,000 people would hear this happening today, and it'd be like, that guy did it, it was that guy, and it'd be over. But it wasn't like that back then. No, so, so go back to my question. Yes. How many avenues? Okay, so I'm going to zoom in on this map here, and you can just kind of describe what you're seeing to the audience, right? I see a river yep, and so, some roads. Yep, so the river here is the Rahway <laughs> River, and everything we're focusing on is on the left-hand side of this map. Yep. Okay? So There is a central, more a hub of population, and yep. then you could just tell the farmlands and rural. Yeah, and so there's a few different sections of town. We're not really going to get into any of them except for the one where the murder happened. But if you're looking at, like, let's say downtown, right, there's some manufacturing up here uh, on the, what I'll call, north side of this map. I don't actually know if it's north because I didn't look at where the compass it's was. It's the top of whatever the top of we'll the map, attach. Right? Um, and you can see some, like, big mill buildings and stuff like that, right? And that's kind of one clump. And then you come down to, like, really downtown Rahway, and this is the train station here. Okay, Cute. the train to and from New York and Philly. Is it still old today, like cutesy? Uh, no. Mm. <laughs> it looks very different today. <laughs> it's a um, shame. Yeah, the train, I looked up the train station to see if it was like the yeah. same. It is not. <laughs> but you can see here the train, you've got a hotel here. Again, there's that one tavern that taverns would have rooms upstairs and stuff. So that's there from like the 1700s. But as Rahway becomes more of a larger destination, you know, there's more businesses, it's more prosperous. And so you've got. The hotel is right across the street from the train station, all of that. And as we zoom out here, just to give you some perspective, so this is like, let's call it downtown Rahway. Mm -hmm. The murder happened We're getting in the, to my question yep. point, guys. There you worry. go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you know, I tend to talk a lot, <laughs> um, which is why we're doing podcasts. So this is downtown Rahway here. Uh, this section all the way back over the river over here is called Milton. And Milton is where the murder happened plot twist well it's it's in railway but it's, <laughs> right so but if you look you know again here's the train station right yeah so if she was coming off the train why was she all the way back there and how does no one know who this woman is exactly right and so just for dis to describe to the people who can't see this map milton is like a small village it's a section of railway there's like let's call it one two three four five ish blocks of like houses in a, in a pretty dense clump there's some more up here uh, a few, I call it like four or five blocks away. Um, and in the book that I read about this case, they were basically saying that these streets, and you can see they're actually in a grid, right? Yeah. These streets had all been laid out with the expectation that the growth the town was going okay. through was going to continue and all these New Yorkers were going to move out there. Hadn't happened yet, right? And so that's why, like, you've got these big blocks that are essentially just so like trees. fields. Like, yeah. you're just basically squaring off fields and you're like, this is a road now. And, like, you know, today you go buy it and there's a house every like you know eighth of an acre or whatever but back then not like that so does that help answer the question a little bit it's like four avenues and like three blocks guys yeah okay that's fair um <laughs> in in the part of town where the murder happened i mean if you take the rest of it i mean again if you were to go from one end of broadway to the other it's a couple miles it's not like massive yeah um and if you're listening in parts of the country or the world where things aren't as dense as new jersey you know, maybe one town is like 50 miles wide or something. It's not like that here. We're, yeah. We've got 550-ish municipalities. Some of them are like a square mile or less. So, you know, it's, it's not that big. No. Right. So 
getting to the events of the murder. Early in the morning of Saturday, March 26th, a man... It's a cold day. It is cold. Yeah, actually, <laughs> figure it's like somewhere between 36 and the 20s. It's nope. freezing. Nope, nope, It's nope. not ideal. It's a brisk New Jersey wintry day, right? Um, I did check. Wasn't any precipitation, really. I found that out uh, looking at weather in New York. It can um, go back that far? Only in New York. I looked at Rahway and it went back like... 30 years <laughs> but in New York City they have that stuff so I looked you know and again being like less than 20 miles from New York you figure it's yeah, probably all roughly. The so on that morning cold morning definitely not the kind of morning you'd want to be out and about a local man from the Milton section of town is walking from Rahway to his job at the Blood Goods Felt Mill in Clark New Jersey which is figure like a mile or two away two mm-hmm. miles maybe right so he's walking like two miles to work and on Central Ave, near the corner of Jefferson Ave, and so Carrie, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna zoom in here. He figure he's walking from these houses over here in Milton, right? Yeah. Uh, he's walking down like maybe Jefferson Ave or something like that. Maybe he's walking actually probably more likely up St. George's Ave here. He comes to Central, which is this one. I realize this is not good podcasting because you guys don't know what I'm pointing at, but basically He's walking up the street. He goes over a bridge that crosses over a branch of the Raritan River. You can see there's a house there. And when he gets to, like, kind of near the intersection with the next street, he discovers a woman's body lying on the ground. And this guy kind of, this comes up later, but he kind of freaks out, doesn't tell anybody, and just goes to work. Typical man. He's kind of got that, like, not my problem. It's, like, Saturday morning. It's freezing. I have to go to work. I, like, I'm not getting involved, you know? But he must have realized she was dead. Oh, like, she, she, was just like, was she, like, she was, like, clearly dead. And he was just, like, freaked out, I guess, and was like, I'm just going, right? <laughs> One of the many weird things about this case, <laughs> it's literally the first person to find her body, and it's already, like, well, why did he do that? That would have been, like, what, 8, 7 a.m.? Like, 6 a.m. 6 a.m., okay. Right? And that, that's good, actually, we did the, the timekeeping there. So I figure, like, maybe an hour later or something, and I, I can get the exact times and I will have that on the next episode because we're going to go really in depth into like what happened but figure like soon after four brothers are walking to work similar direction going to the same place at the mill it was like a big employer it was like kids found it yeah and they're walking to work and like you know two are like kind of farther up and two are further back and they're walking and joking around and being like teenage boys and one of them's like hey what's that over there more or less right and so they go look and they're like oh no it's a it's a body this isn't good you know the joking stops and Two of the brothers are sent to go basically run to like the police officer's house to be like, there's a there's been a murder. Just for reference, Rahway at the time had a police chief and like I think up to four policemen, like very small police force. Right. Not used to this sort of thing, you know. Think Mayberry with like everybody knew each other. Yeah. Happy Um, little. Not like murder capital of the world or something. So they go to get the police chief. And while this is happening, a crowd starts to gather because, again, small town, nothing ever exciting or interesting Everybody happens. Everybody loves murder. And now there's, like, a dead body. And if you've listened to true crime podcasts, like, you've probably heard this before, especially in things that are this old. This is at the very beginning of what I would call, like, modern forensics and modern yeah. detective, um, you know, protocols and things like that. So sealing off the crime scene is not really a thing. So you've got hundreds of people, like, traipsing around, making, you know, footprints, things like that. The description of the crime scene at the time uh, was that the mud, you know, was kind of like half frozen that the woman was lying in. 
Uh, it had been trampled around a lot. There was clearly like a struggle. You could see that. They talk about drag marks of her body. Figure there was a struggle. Her head had been bashed in. She'd been mm. beaten. And what actually killed her was somebody had taken a knife and slit her throat from basically ear to ear. They had to know her. Right. That's my thought. Like... You know, because it seems awfully personal. And if yeah. you listen to any true crime podcast, aside from this one, if this is your first one, I'll treat you to a little <laughs> true crime sort of trivia. But typically, the more brutal a crime is, or the more passionate, the more likely that the person knew the person. Exactly. It's not to say that that's a rule or that it has to be that way. But, you know, usually if you're, like, that upset with someone and you're, like, you know, not just shooting them or something, like, it's personal and, you you know, you're up close to them yeah. and stuff. So she fought back, and that's sort of what happened. There's one pair of tracks going back to the road. Okay. And that, like, because this is, like, kind of field off the yeah. road. And, again, think about the block that we talked about where it's just blocks of empty road with, like, fields in the middle. So this is just off the road by a fence, and that's pretty much how they found her scattered around her you know were sort of like her clothes were ruffled they don't think that she was um raped they called it i believe like savaged like that she wasn't oh, yeah, or, yeah. you know kind of thing but they don't think that it was like a sexual assault she had uh her clothes on which we'll talk about in the next episode because they're actually really important she had a basket with eggs in it and the eggs right. were kind of strewn all over the ground she we'll also had, like, a parasol or, like, you know, an umbrella kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And just to give you a visual, Carol, I'll, I'll go back to the picture. This is, like, the artist sketch of her, which is the least helpful artist sketch. It's, like, <laughs> it, it's like a woman in clothes walking. Yeah, and, you know, like But you can nothing. kind of see, like, what she was wearing yeah, and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, style back then and yeah. stuff. So, but she's dressed, like, nicely. She's not, like, running around and in her undergarments. And all she had was the basket with the eggs. The basket of eggs, and then one of the things that's found fairly soon after, because people get there, and they're, like, helping the police, and they're all looking for things in the fields. Yeah. They find a knife, and they find, which they assume is the murder weapon, and they find a bag uh, that was fished out of the river, because, again, we're, like, a less than a block from the yeah, river, yeah. right? There's a bridge over the river. There's a bag that somebody sees, like, in a caught on like a stick down there and they go fish it out that has some items in it and um also on the bridge apparently was like a bloody kind of like handprint or something so it's like the guy like kind of like was standing on the bridge holding the bridge and chucked the bag over right okay so that's all found with her she's described as about five foot two uh of european descent you know different sources throughout the thing they say that she looks german or scandinavian but like you know white european woman and they approximate her age at about 25 years old. So we're talking about like a relatively young person, you know, kind of small. Um, on her own. On her own. I think she's described as kind of like stout, like she's like short and stout kind of, mm-hmm. you know. But but definitely like younger, wearing like very nice clothes, like we'll, I'll describe them later, but like cashmere and like leather kid gloves uh, and stuff. So it's not just like your average worker. Like it's, it's not like she's like a prostitute at the time and she's like time. got like threadbare clothes and stuff. Like they're like nice clothes. I don't know if they're like crazy fancy clothes. It's actually something I want to dig into with somebody who's like an expert That's what on I mean. like yeah, fashion Yeah, because was it just a wife from right. one of the workers yeah. and stuff or... Right. She had been a higher stature. Yeah. So that's something I think the clue, that's why the clothes are really important. And yeah. honestly, I don't have the context in all the things I've read. It doesn't give me the context. And yeah, so, so gotta dig. we're going to have to dig and maybe talk to somebody who's like kind of an expert in Victorian era clothing and be like, what, like looking at this, you know, yeah. what does what do this you tell think? you about this person? But again, 
pretty well put together. What's interesting, though, about this, so again, we talked about the, the crime scene is compromised, like, almost immediately. Yeah. Right. So They're lucky that they even saw footprints, like, going back to right. the... They do have, and I thought this was really interesting, a photographer comes to the crime scene. Oh. To take pictures of it. You said you can't find any, though, right? There is one that I found that was in the book that I read. Okay. And I have to try to find the rest, because it's like, it's ob- it's a picture from 1887. Yeah. You know, it's not like I could zoom in and it's like, you know, a, a like 40 megapixel camera, and I'm like, oh, look at that, you know. So, but there are pictures of her at the crime scene, which is helpful. Yes. To kind of get an understanding of sort of like what she looked like, what happened and stuff, right? So those are taken. Thousands of people throughout this whole process, I think they estimate like over 10,000 people, will view her body over the next like month or two. Fucking insane. Yeah. Nobody recognizes her. There are like multiple... And that 10,000 wasn't just this area, right? No, no. People people come in from like New York City. They come in from other parts of the country. The um, railroad company that actually ran through Rahway actually increased trains on the days where they had these public viewings because it just like got mobbed. Like thousands of people get off the train and wait in line to go look at this woman because it became big news. You're right by New York City. Yeah. You're close to Philly. Boston's not that far. But the fact that not one single soul knows. Right. Now, multiple people did say, oh, that's so-and-so, right? Right, yeah. But so-and-so was typically found alive or something. Yeah. So like every lead or every person that they thought it was just led to a dead end. Right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, here we are 135 years later and nobody knows who this person is. Right. So, you know, this was recognized at the time as like a major case, like a, you know, like a John JonBenet Ramsey or a Jack the Ripper. <laughs> this, this was in the, the time first... of like Jack the Ripper era. The world basically knew all of this like it wasn't just a small town thing like it got huge yeah. public knowledge so, but jack the ripper just took off like it was one of those and nobody right just died with so, so this happened like a few years before jack the ripper did his thing and basically in newspaper articles from like the time you know here in the u.s of the jack the ripper slang i remember specifically reading at least one that was like you know comparing it to like our railway murder yeah. and the reason they said it like that was because it was just such a well-known case. Like, everybody knew this case. Exactly. Uh, coast to coast. And so, you know, obviously as time fades, you know, maybe they do like a, there's a new lead comes up and that gets some more articles. But over time, it fades and people just forget, especially people not from this area. And yep. then it's like, you know, part of like the railway Cemetery tour, you know, the ghost stories yeah. or whatever. And that's it. So that's the mystery we're going to be talking about for the next you know, dun, couple dun, dun. episodes. We think that it's solvable, at least yeah. as far as who she is. Yeah, I hope so. There, there are there are lots of good random things to pinpoint and try to figure out, like at least where she came from, and then right scope it out a little bit more. Yeah. So I think aside from like clues around sort of where she came from, you know, what her clothes say about her, things like that. If and when this body could be exhumed and a DNA sample can be taken from it. We can use genealogy just like they have with, you know, the Golden State Killer and other cold cases to try to figure out who this person was related to and back into maybe who it is. Yeah. Um, That has not been done for the record. This is like, oh, she's still buried where she was buried in 1887. But that's kind of the goal is to talk through this, kind of bring this back into the fold as being something worth talking about and, you know, in a best case scenario, give this woman her identity back so that way... Her gravestone will no longer just say an unknown woman found murdered 
and it'll <laughs> say her name. her name, right? Yeah, because she deserves that. I don't know that we'll ever figure out who killed her. Yeah. Maybe if we can figure out who she was, we can figure out who killed her. But honestly, there's like very small, super slim chance. Like, are, how are we gonna find out? Exactly. Like, we'll have theories. You'll have theories. There are some really interesting things as I was researching this case and reading the book about it and and looking at newspaper articles and stuff. The chicken angle is interesting. There's a um, couple other ones you said. There's too. a lot of like very random things where like at the time. You know, like, there, reading the book, there were a few people where I was like, oh, that, that guy did it, you know? <laughs> and at the time, nobody, like, thought like they do today, and there wasn't right. true crime as a genre, and there wasn't all of the information publicly available about crimes and things like that. They'd only really just started studying it and started figuring out, you know, forensics and things like that. So there are some people where I'm like, yeah, it's kind of shady. I don't know, man. <laughs> um there are also people who are like, oh, this is someone that came from New York City to do this deed. They said it then, they say it today. Yeah, I, like, I, if I'm going to murder someone, am I hopping on a train to like a random town in New Jersey, walking no, to a field? you're literally and, murdering them in the dark downtown and tossing them into the Hudson. Right. Like, it, there's exactly. literally no point. For the record, we're not advocating that, but we're just saying, hypothetically, <laughs> you're in 1887, you're a crazy madman, you yeah, know. There's, like, there's, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, and to give you context of, like, and sort of... smart murderer knows that. Yeah, and clearly this person got away with it, so I, I don't think that, you know, they would have done that no, from New York. No, it would have been from somewhere here. Our great-great-grandfather was a detective in the New York City Police Department, John Holland, um, at the time of this murder. And actually his boss, the inspector, Inspector Byrne, did get involved in this case, and that'll kind of come up. But to give you an idea of the time frame, this is like, yeah, call it like 20 years after the Gangs of New York movie took place, right? But you're mm. still thinking of like the Bowery, you know, sort yeah. of New York is this very crowded, loud, dirty place. If you're picturing your head New York City at the time, kind of like that yeah so again the idea that somebody would like leave that environment and come to a random town they don't really know in new jersey to like just doesn't make murder it doesn't make any sense so things like that will pop up and we'll call that out we're sure that you'll call that out as well but again the, the goal here is to try to figure out who this person was or at the very least get her story out there because she deserves it so if you like everything you've heard we encourage we'll you to, the point. to follow subscribe like us on whatever you're listening to us on and we will see you back here for episode two. Woo.